Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome, everyone. Today, um, during, on this Sunday during the Ascension Tide, or locally, it's the first Sunday after school lets out, so uh, pl- plenty of seats this, this morning. We need to pray for those who are traveling. Uh, being the Sunday in Ascension Tide, we're given um, insight into the life of the church at a very critical time, a very uncertain time. We're given insight into the life of the church when decisions must be made. And as I was prayerfully considering these lessons this morning and what to say, I could not help but think of the changes and chances of this life, of our own lives. How we must day after day make decision after decision after decision after decision how we must make those decisions without all the information in adverse conditions, how the situations of our lives become filled with things that we cannot overcome, with obstacles and hurdles and temptations and trials and all these things, but yet we must still make decisions and move forward, chart courses. And it's hard. It's very hard, isn't it, to try to make perfect decisions and try to make decision after decision after decision in a game of chess as the world comes at you as life changes and changes and not all the time in ways that are helpful or welcome. This morning we get two examples of decision making. Being the Sunday in Ascension Tide, we we get a look into the church between Christ's resurrection and Pentecost next Sunday's coming of the Holy Spirit. And then also the calling of St. Matthias. I'll start with St. Matthias and look at this tale of decision-making. The book of Acts says this morning, and they cast lots for them. The lot fell on Matthias and he was enrolled with the 11 apostles. Now, to give you a little background on the situation, this is immediately after our Lord has ascended into heaven and we hear the famous line, men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This Jesus whom you seek is not here, but is gone. The first thing they do is they, Peter recognizes the need to replace Peter. There's 12 tribes of Israel. Now there needs to be 12 apostles for the new Israel. There needs to be 12 apostles. And so they need to come up with a defense against the world. They need to come up with a person who can witness to the resurrection, with one who can be a witness, an apostle. And so they do their best to come up with a slate of of men and they get down to two. They come up with Joseph the Just, Justice, and Matthias. Hebrew for God's little one. So they come up with these two and what do they do? They're faced with great uncertainty and calamity. They remember they're still under the threat of their lives. Jerusalem is still abuzz with all of this. There's still great, great trials and temptations upon them. And they do something to the modern mind that might be unexpected. 
They pray first, which is probably unexpected for a lot of people. They pray, Lord, who knowest the hearts of all men, show us which one of these thou hast chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship. So first they do everything they can to try to find two men to fill this void. Someone can witness to the resurrection. Someone who has been with Jesus since the baptism of of John. Someone who can be that witness. Who can take the place of the twelfth person. Who can complete the twelfth person, the twelve tribes of Israel, the new Israel. They do all their homework. Then they cast lots, which is much like rolling dice, if you will, or probably the best modern example is flipping a coin, which we do at every football game. Or we decide when we're teenagers, who gets to ride shotgun or a myriad of other things, we flip a coin. They leave it to God. They flip a coin and say, God, you decide. They do something very unexpected. They devised a plan, tried to find the best of what they could. Then they entered into a period of prayer and they flipped a coin, left it to God. It's also of note that Luke bookmarks the old Israel, the new Israel with the casting of Lot. Zechariah is or lots are cast in the beginning of the gospel of Luke and Zechariah uh, wins the lot casting and goes into the Holy of Holies where he's met by the archangel who tells him of his fate and his fate of Elizabeth that they will have a son, John the Baptist. Here in the beginning of the book of Acts, lots are cast to reconstitute the 12 tribes of Israel. Plan devised, enter into prayer, and the to- coin is tossed. Now our next tale or instance of decision making comes on the ascension itself and that's right before this reading. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus whom has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go. So Jesus rises from the dead, spends 40 days with the apostles And if we remember our Easter stories, they don't get it at first. Jesus has to open their eyes to scriptures. He has to help them understand what is going on. So they finally get it, come to understand what is going on to some degree. And then what happens? Why stand ye looking upward toward heaven? Jesus goes from them. So now these men who have left their families, who have left their vocations, who have given up everything to follow Jesus and finally thought they got it, finally thought they understood, had some degree of comfort and security with the risen Lord being with them, he's taken from them. And now they're left in a hostile place, Jerusalem, a stir, not very happy with them, seeking their arrest. And Jesus leaves them. Adverse conditions arise. Uncertain, fearful, anxious. What do they do? They devise a plan. They go into the upper room and they wait. They go into the upper room and they pray. For nine days, they pray. And if you ever wondered what a novena was, it comes from 
ascension tide, when the disciples enter into that upper room and pray for nine days, novum, Latin for day, nine days, they do a novena. They enter into an intentional nine days of prayer. Faced with uncertainty, full of fear, faced with anxiety, obstacles, very large obstacles, that is the plan they devise. They go in the upper room and they pray and they wait on God to act. One of my more favorite prayers in our cycle of daily prayers, our morning prayer, evening prayer, is the prayer right before bed, Compline, the last prayer office of the day. There's a prayer in there that says, so that we who are wearied by the changes and chances of this fleeting world may find our eternal rest in thee. There's one thing I will promise you, one thing I have learned about this world, is that we, you and I, are never fully in control of our destiny. We are never fully in control of our lives. No amount of planning or preparation will ever make us fully in control of our lives. No amount of preparing, of careful, careful, meticulous preparation, charting courses, security, will ever get us to a point where we are in control of our lives. I was at a high school graduation this week, and a very, very good speaker, commencement speaker, told the graduates that it's not if you will be blindsided in the next years, it is when you will be blindsided. You cannot fully control your life. There are too many obstacles. There are too many trials we undergo. There are too many factors. The chances and changes of this fleeting life are a certainty, my brothers and sisters. So we would do well to take a lesson from Ascension Tide and from St. Matthias. In Matthias, we should do our homework. We should do the very best we can to get the best available, to try and prepare and plan as best we can. And once you do that, pray for God's will, leave that to God. Do the best you can, but in the end, leave it to God. That's the lesson. Ascension Tide, be intentional about your prayer. Be intentional, nine days intentional, about asking God's presence and will for your life. That is what the apostles did and the disciples. They were intentional about it. They had no idea what to do, so they prayed. They continually asked God's presence in their life, God's presence to be with them, God's will for their lives to be done. And finally, expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Just as no one expected Jesus to rise from the dead, God continually provides us through his will and in his graces with the unexpected. We might think one way, but God shows us another. We might think God's will takes us one direction, but it takes us in an unexpected way. God's choice for us might not be what we think. When we enter into prayer and ask God's discernment and God's will, 
his choice for us might not be what we think. Matthias is a good example of the two people the apostles chose. There was Joseph the Just, which sounds like a very pious and noble name. You would think this is a person of great character, person of renown, if he gets a nickname Just. And Matthias, God's little one. God chooses through the casting of Lot's Matthias, the little one. And we never hear from Matthias again. Even in the pious traditions of the church, not much is known about him at all. But we know he fulfilled the twelfth spot. He did God's will. Pentecost, when the disciples are up in the upper room praying for God's will and God's presence, they're given the unexpected as well. They become the presence of God on earth. They become the presence of God on earth. The Pentecost event launched them into the world in ways they never expected. They were given the power of God through the Holy Spirit and go into the world. Peter, in his, one of his first sermons, baptizes 5,000 people. They convert multitudes in Jerusalem and beyond. The power and the presence of God with them changes the world. Cost many of them their lives, but it changes the world in significant ways they could never have expected. They could never have expected to possess within themselves the power and presence of God in ways where Peter and Paul raised the dead, where mass conversions happen at preaching. Unexpected. The church was given the power of God on that day. The lesson for us then is that prayer, <clears throat> prayer for God's will and God's present should always, without fail, always, I'll say it again, without fail, be at the heart of every decision and every action of our lives. Just as they prayed with Matthias and they prayed for the coming of the Holy Spirit, the prayer for the presence of God should be at the center of every action and every decision we make. Now through this, if you can become into the habit of doing this, most of us, I hope, already do this, but if you can and just are starting to come in the habit of doing this, you will learn little by little that prayer works, that God is in control of your life when you ask him to. God's presence is with you when you ask for it. And you also learn to trust God even when he gives you the unexpected. And he will give you the unexpected. So let us take to heart Ascension Tide Sunday and lessons in decision making. There are the changes and chances of this fleeting world that keep us from being in control. We have more decisions to make than we can ever make. We are not in control of our lives. So we must pray. We must include God, make God center in every decision, in every facet of our life. Pray for the will of God. Pray for the presence of God. Learn to trust and learn to see that it is God in control of our lives. It is God leading us and leading us in a lot of times in ways we could never expect or imagine.
but God is there. So let us enter into our own time of prayer as we make our way to Pentecost and let us pray that the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, into the life of this church more and more. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.